Hey, welcome here this morning. Thanks for, uh, for being with us, even though Snowmageddon is out there. Uh, glad you are uh, taking a few minutes out of your weekend to join us, especially if you're new. What a great day for you to be here. Free lunch for you afterward. Hope you can join us for that. Uh, we are in the middle of a Holy Spirit series, a series we've entitled Limitless. And uh, we're excited to be spending some time the next two or three weeks in the middle of this series on the uh, spiritual gifts in particular. Let me pray for us as we dive into the word this morning. Ask God to join us in this place. God, we believe that you are real and that you are speaking and that you have life, God, that in you is the best life, abundant life, eternal life. And so we seek you now in this moment, God, through study, through the scripture. We just kind of sought you through worship and prayer and giving, and now we seek you in this way. And we pray that you will come through on your promise, that when we seek you, that we'll find you, that we'll see you, that we'll be changed by you, that we'll be infused with you, God. Make it so. Uh, Bless this group now, Lord. I just pray that amazing things will happen in in this study in the next few minutes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Just a couple of announcements real fast. Last week, thanks to the families that joined us for the baby dedication, we had a super sweet uh, morning together as we welcomed a bunch of little ones uh, to the church. And, uh, and prayed over them and blessed them. I apologize if I butchered any names, last names or first names, but hopefully uh, the Lord heard the prayer regardless. Uh, also excited about some things that are happening next door. If you uh, check out the chapel, uh, Audience of One, which is a drama group that we partner with, a Christian uh, dance and theater company, uh, they are putting on a couple of shows the next couple of weekends. My daughters and I went and saw Beauty and the Beast yesterday. They're doing Willy Wonka next weekend, uh, but we let them use that space and, and rent it out to them to help us with some income, but also to be a great blessing to them. So uh, if you're looking for something to do this afternoon or next weekend, Audience of One is doing some great things. And then tonight, our 6 p.m. service, our encounter service, uh, we're offering uh, some different options to you. Uh, the 8.30 in the morning is kind of our traditional service. The choir is rocking and rolling in that space. 10.30 is our praise band. And then 6 p.m., a little bit more laid back, a little bit louder, but it's just a service with lots of worship, lots of prayer, and the sermon will be given in its entirety in that space. And so uh, we'd love for you to join us. Tonight, we're actually not going to have it just because of the weather uh, and different things going on with the band. And so tonight, no encounter at 6 p.m. But if you haven't joined us yet or if you're out of town for the weekend or have somebody that might like a little bit of a smaller venue, then that 6 o'clock service is going to be where it's at. Cool? All right. Enough with the housekeeping stuff. Let's get in to the nitty-gritty, as Nacho Libre says. Uh, I came across a list of words. That, uh, that, that got me laughing this past week. I'd never heard of these before. They are words associated with going to church. Perhaps you know some of these words. There is bibli buildup. This is the stack of bookmarks, bulletins, notes, and other miscellaneous, miscellaneous easy for you to say, uh, items that you have in your Bible. Many of you probably know this to be true, as they all fall out every now and again. You have hymnastics. That is the entertaining body language of the worship leader or the abrupt change in key in a song. You have putrefy, that is to occupy the same exact spot in the church, right, for 15 years straight. Okay, there it is, that's, that's your seat there. You have highlightaholic, the one who cannot resist underlining, highlighting, and circling things in their Bible. And so it looks like a box of crayons has exploded in that place. And you also have pulpituitary, which is the preacher's desire to always say things with alliteration. Uh, three P's, the four D's, the six X's, whatever it might be. And yes, I'm guilty as charged. I am a pulpitarian, pulpitarian, whatever you can. Anyway. Uh, today, though, I want to talk to you about a word or a phrase that, although it sounds kind of churchy, uh, it's actually a real phrase. These are not. Uh, but it's still a phrase that causes us to kind of laugh or kind of turn 
our heads every once in a while. Uh, the word is something that is not made up, but something that's very, very important. And the word and the phrase is uh, spiritual gifts. Hopefully you don't see that phrase or that term in the, in the same light as you see all those other kind of funny, made-up, churchy words. Because this is a real word, and this is a really important concept. See, the gift of the Holy Spirit, it's a gift that's been given to every single Christian. It is a good gift. He is a good gift, and he's been given by a good God for our good. I love that song that we just sang, kind of that, that, that chorus line of, you are good, you are good, you are good. That's how you have to understand the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, it's a good gift, and he's been given to you by a good God for your good. Now, the Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from the heavens, comes from our Father in heaven, right? Your health, your wealth, your stuff, your success, all of it can be traced back to God. And you should give credit to God for all of those things. Those are all good gifts. But there's another set of gifts. There's another type of gift that he's also given to us. And it's just as good as all the others. It's the gift of his Holy Spirit. And think about it. Hopefully in the course of this series, you're starting to see now how good this gift is. How good he is. Right? The gift of the Holy Spirit is the gift of help. It's the gift of counsel. It's the gift of comfort. It's the gift of words and witnessing. It's the gift of assurance in the last couple of weeks, we're diving into the understanding that this is the gift of empowerment. That when you have the gift of the Holy Spirit, you have the gift of power. See, when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, he kind of comes along and brings a bunch of other gifts with him. He's the gift that keeps on giving, if you will. So you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit when you believe in Jesus. And then when the Holy Spirit is in you, he gives you now spiritual gifts. I would call these special, supernatural, spiritual powers and abilities that help you to live in and live out the love of God. These are special, supernatural, spiritual gifts and abilities that help you kind of get off the sidelines of Christianity and get into the action. These are special, supernatural, spiritual talents and abilities that you have to help bring heaven to this earth. Special, spiritual, supernatural talents and abilities that nobody else has. They're unique to you. And you have one of them. I wish I could go along and kind of bop every one of you on the head or maybe like the old uh, Back to the Future days. Hello, McFly. Hello, McFly. Remember that? Because some of you are still thinking, yeah, that's a nice thought that other people kind of should deal with. That still doesn't apply to me. I don't have spiritual gifts. This is not true for me. And again, I would say, oh, you're not, you're not hearing me. You're not hearing the Lord because this applies to each and every Christian. This is a good gift given by a good God for your good. And if you think about it, these gifts are really not about the gifts themselves or even you as the recipient of the gift. They're really about the giver of the gifts, aren't they? This good God loves you so much that he wants to impart onto you some of his own talents and abilities. This good God wants to, wants to know you so intimately that he gives to you some of his passions and some of his desires and these come in the form of these spiritual gifts. This is how Paul talks about the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. There are lots of different kinds of spiritual gifts, he says, but the same Holy Spirit distributes them all. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it's the same God at work. Now to each one, to every Christian, the manifestation of the Spirit has been given for the common good. To one, there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, 
to another a message of knowledge by means of that same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another one prophecy, to another distinguishing between the spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of the tongues. All of these are, are the gifts and the work of the same spirit, and he distributes to each one just as he determines. You see, according to the Apostle Paul, every single Christian is a very gifted individual. You're gifted. I know your parents probably told you that, or a coach, or you know, your second grade teacher. You're so gifted. But I'm telling you that not to make you feel good or to try to overcome the 30 inches of snow that's outside or whatever, but I'm telling you that because it's true. I'm telling you this because the Bible says this. As a Christian, you are incredibly gifted. This is true on so many levels. As a Christian, you've not only been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, but you now have the gifts of the Spirit. You have talents and abilities to do things that other people simply cannot do. And I have to believe that Satan just loves that many of us truly don't believe this. I have to believe that a lot of Christians don't truly understand that the power that is in them is greater than the power that is in the world. He has to love the fact that most of us are kind of like, well, I'm just kind of an average Joe. Nothing really that special about me. He has to love that you as a Christian fail to recognize that what is in you, who is in you, is greater than any ism or any schism or any, anything else in the world. Do you believe that? What is in you is far greater than anything in this world because in you is the power of the Holy Spirit. And in you now and hopefully through you are going to be these spiritual gifts and talents, these abilities to do things that other people simply cannot do. So you're one of the most gifted individuals around. I agree with your mom. I agree with your kindergarten teacher. You're so gifted. You are so gifted. So whether you believe it or not, you as a Christian have at least one, and chances are many more than that, but you have at least one special, spiritual, supernatural gift that the Holy Spirit wants to use to do incredible things. And that is true for our young Christians. That is true for our crew over here. And that's true for our, our not-so-young Christians. That's true for our seasoned believers and true for our brand-new believers. It's true for someone who's been in church their whole life, someone who's been in church for a couple of days. This is true for you. If you are a Christian, you are an incredibly gifted individual. And when it comes to these gifts, there are several to choose from. It's not that he said, oh, everyone is going to be a preacher. Yeah, there's enough of those to go around. There are 20 separate gifts that have been given that God wants to use to bring heaven to the earth. 20 gifts, 20 ways the Spirit wants to make himself known to you, 20 ways the Spirit wants to make himself known through you. We read about a few of those in 1 Corinthians 12. That's one of the lists. At the end of that chapter, there's a few more. Romans 12 is a separate list. So you take all those lists together and you find 20 spiritual gifts. But just like any good gift you've ever received, you've got to open it up. You've got to take it out of the packaging. You've got to take it out of the box. And some of us have failed to do that with our spiritual gifts. So that's what we're hoping to remedy uh, the next couple of weeks. All right, when it comes to these spiritual gifts, let me just say one thing real fast. Last week, we separated them into three separate categories to try to make a little bit more sense of them. Right, you have the knowing gifts, you have the speaking gifts, and you have the doing gifts. And then under each of those categories is five or six separate gifts that the scripture talks about. And what's so cool is Shara is teaching the kids about these gifts the next couple of weeks downstairs as well. 
So we're open at lunch, and, and as you're driving in the car, you can talk to your kids about what spiritual gifts they might have, what talents and abilities the Spirit has given to them, because this is true for them as well, right? So Shar helped me to, to bake it, break it down to its most basic format, knowing, speaking, and doing. Let me talk real fast, though, about, about kind of all of them, and then we'll dive into the second category. Um, well, actually, the third on the list, they're doing, uh, but another category. Anyway, okay, so... We tend to, in a conversation about spiritual gifts, we tend to focus a lot of our time and attention on certain ones on that list, don't we? When you hear about these or see books about spiritual gifts or take an assessment on spiritual gifts, certain ones kind of always tend to rise to the top, like prophecy, tongues, miracles, healings. Those are always the one that kind of get our attention. That's always where the conversation goes. And I understand why, because several of the gifts on that list, the ones I just mentioned, they seem a little bit more supernatural than others, don't they? They seem a little bit more God-infused than others. Like helping versus healing, eh, God likes this one a little bit more. But what I'm hoping you're seeing in our studies is that that's just not true. There is no one gift that is any more important than any of the others. From pulling weeds to pulling out deep insight in, in the scripture. From leading a Bible study to, to, to leading uh, someone to, uh, to, to a, a prayer of confession, to, to leading your kids in a, in a PTA uh, event or whatever it might be, from, from picking up after uh, a meal like this afternoon to, to preaching to thousands of people. Every single one of these gifts is from God, tells us more about God, and brings great delight to God. I want you to stop looking at that list and being like, oh, some are more important than others. I have some, but it's kind of the, the lesser of them. That's just not true. That's never said in the scripture. Every single one of them is super important. I hope that even last week you started to see that. So last week we talked about the knowing gifts, that category of gifts that falls into the category of kind of knowledge and wisdom. The idea behind that category of gifts is this, that God is still speaking to people today, that he hasn't stopped communicating with us. And when he communicates with us, through his word, through a time of prayer, through a vision, through a dream, when he communicates to us, he's communicating deep insight into something or into someone. He's gonna tell us things that we could have never learned on our own. And typically this gift is given to help people stop making a, from, from making a huge mistake, to, to help them avoid danger. So God tells you something about this person or about a situation or a verse that applies to them and he's given you knowledge, he's given you wisdom, he's helping you to discern the spirits. We looked at how this was true in Jesus' own life, right? When he knew things about people, he never, he never knew that beforehand. He was never taught that from somebody. He just knew it instinctively about them. We see this in the disciples. The early church just knows things about people, right? When they're lying, when they're not, when they're, when they're telling us the truth and when they're not. The early dis the dis disciples, the early church, these guys went from untrained fishermen to unstoppable evangelists. Why? Because they had the gift of wisdom and knowledge and discernment. And I hope that you know that these gifts still play out today, that you can have the supernatural spiritual insight into a situation or into a person's life or into a moment, and it's God-given. It's the exchange of information from heaven to earth so heaven can be experienced on the earth, right? Wisdom, knowledge, discerning the spirits, um, they are gifts from God, and many of you have these gifts. You've just never thought about it in this way but I hope that you start to experience. By a show of hands, how many of you uh, have, who take our spiritual inventory test, how many of you had these gifts? Wisdom, knowledge, discernment of spirits. Okay, how many of you took the survey, first of all? Okay, that's probably where the problem starts. Let, let's go there, all right, take the survey. It's online, a couple different options for you. 
uh, take this spiritual gifts inventory and assessment tool, and then next week I'll ask you the same question, and we'll see uh, if two other people besides the two that raised their hand um, have the gift of wisdom and knowledge. But many of you have been gifted in this way, and God, God wants you now to start utilizing these gifts. He wants to take them out of the packaging and to start do good, start doing good with them. So that's the first category, uh, knowing. Let's move into a separate category now, the doing gifts. When it comes to the doing gifts, this, this second category, I want you to keep a simple phrase in mind. That which God needs us to do and that which only God can do. That's kind of how I would summarize the doing gifts. That which God needs us to do and that which only God can do. Let's start by talking about the things God needs us to do. So during the American Revolution, a civilian uh, was, was riding past a group of soldiers on his horse, and, and he saw this group of soldiers working so hard to repair this wall to build back up this barrier. Their leader was on top of horse as well, but shouting at the guys uh, to, to get it done faster and to work harder. So this civilian stopped and he said, Sir, why aren't you, why aren't you helping your men build this wall back up? And, and the man on the horse just looked at him with, with fear, and he said, Sir, I'm a corporal. And the civilian thought, okay, fine, fine, fine. Sorry, sorry I asked. The civilian apologized, dismounted, and then proceeded to help the soldiers himself. When the job was done, the, the civilian man turned to the corporal and he said, Mr. Corporal, if your men are ever in need of help again, then just send for your commander-in-chief, George Washington, and I will come back. And sure enough, it was George Washington. And I think this story perfectly describes the spirit behind the spiritual gifts that fall into the category of doing. These gifts include such things as faith, hospitality, mercy, giving, serving, helping, and administration. The people who have these gifts are typically the people who see a problem, see a need, or see an opportunity to help, and they immediately take action. From opening up their homes, to opening up their hearts, to even opening up their checkbooks. The doers are the ones who selflessly and sacrificially take action and want to put their faith into action. Someone needs a place to stay, but we have a spare bedroom. Someone needs a listening ear, how about, how about coffee at two? Someone needs some help making the ends meet, well how much are they short? Someone needs help sending out letters or setting up a meal or souping up the floors. Where are the stamps? Where's the silverware? Where are the Swiffers? Right, those are the doers. These are the unseen parts of the body that Paul talks about because typically their service, their action, their doing goes unnoticed and unappreciated. That is until they stop doing what they do. You with me? Let me give you an example of this. Our audio-visual crew. Do you have any idea how many hours it takes to set up the stage, the, the room, the auditorium, the chapel, the PowerPoint, the mics. Do you have any idea how many hours it takes to do that? Let me answer that question for you. No, you don't. It takes a lot of time, especially when, when the stage decides to leak or the roof above the stage decides to leak. That changes the whole game, doesn't it? The men and women on our AV team spend hours and hours doing what they do. They serve us because they want our worship experience to be meaningful, right? They want it to be powerful. They want it to matter. And so they tweak the lights and they, they fix the sound and they make sure that things don't go awry. Do you ever notice it? Not really. Unless it does go awry. 
Right? You notice when the PowerPoint shuts off during the middle of a brand new song, like, uh-oh. Right? You notice when that mic all of a sudden has that horrible feedback. You notice when, when what they do isn't going well. It doesn't seem fair, though, does it? They do it so well for so long, for so many hours, with no appreciation and no thanks, and then suddenly the mic turns off. It's like, God, can't they figure this out? But guess what the doers do? They just keep doing. They just keep doing it. Whether we thank them, whether it goes well, whether it goes poorly. So to our AV crew, uh, those in the magic booth up there, thank you. Thank you for doing what you do. Right? Because we, we can't do what we do. And there might, be, there might be a couple guys up back in here, too. Every once in a while, I see, a, I see somebody running around over there. That's kind of creepy. But they're doing something, and I'm sure it's important. The doers do. However mundane, however menial the task, right, the doers kind of step up and say, I'll do it. Now, it's amazing about those in this spiritual gift category, those who have this gift, and you've probably experienced this yourself, those who are in this category don't ever think they do enough. Isn't that amazing? Like those who give the most time at the church, they are always the ones who show up for that special work project that needs to be done. They've already done so much, but they, they want to do more. Those who give, it's amazing, the most sacrificial people I've ever experienced in my life, those who give the most of their money, they're like, we got to give more. We're not giving enough. How much is the church short? They've already done so much, they want to do more. Those who have given so much of their lives already, they always find more to give, don't they? They always find more ways to do what they do. If you fall into this category, I honestly, I can't thank you enough. I don't say it enough, and I'm not sure I can find everybody that falls in this category, but thank you for doing Thank you for helping, serving, showing mercy. Thank you for organizing. Thank you for being a doer. Thank you for utilizing this spiritual talent and gift to do incredible good. Let me say this, though. The fact that some of these gifts um, uh, fall unto some people does not excuse the rest of us from trying to exercise or grow in these particular gifts, okay? Like giving money, cleaning bathrooms, serving the homeless, shoveling snow, that's not my spiritual gift, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, well, join the club, brother. It's not my spiritual gift either, okay? But it needs to be done. See, Christians are all called to do a lot of the things that are on this particular list of doing. But the fact is, it's the doers that lead us in doing them. It's the doers that do them with the most joy. It's the, it's the doers that kind of get the ball rolling and step up when nobody else will. But that does not excuse other Christians from not doing anything. My spiritual gift is napping and watching football. No, no, it's not. Yeah. That's not part of the doing category, okay? You can do that, that's just fine, but there's a lot of other things that need to be done as well. Now, there's two other categories um, that fall under the category, uh, uh, or two other gifts that fall under the category of doing, and those are the gifts of healings and the gifts of miracles. And I want to quickly address these two gifts real fast before we kind of continue on. This brings us to that second part of the phrase that I mentioned at the beginning, the things that only God can do. So there are the things that God needs us to do, and that's that list of all the stuff that needs to get done. And there are certain things that only God himself can do. Uh, throughout the Old Testament, as well as the New, Jesus himself takes this title and this name of God on. God refers to himself in this way as the great I am. I am. It's an interesting way to describe yourself, wouldn't it? Like when somebody typically says, I am, what do, you, what do you expect to hear afterward? Another word. Right? Something else. I am happy. I am tired of snow. I am 
cold. I am excited for lunch. Whatever it is, I am something, right? But God says, I am, period. I just am. Now you combine that with other things that he says. He says he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, meaning that he has been the same God throughout all the generations. And then Hebrews tells us something pretty powerful, 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the great I am, the God who was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the Jesus, right, the God of Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever, everything's coming together to communicate one powerful point to us. God has not changed. He is the same God. So the God that spoke the heavens into existence, it's the same God that speaks you into existence every night or every morning, whenever you wake up. The same God who parted the waters and made a way in the Red Sea, he's the same God who made a way for you out of that difficult situation. Same one. The God who toppled armies, humbled kings. The God who brought manna from heaven, who poured water from the rock. The God who flooded the earth and who flooded the altar, right, with, 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 with fire. The God who put death to death. The God who rose from the grave. That God, this God, it's our God. It's the God we're singing about this morning. It's the God we're, we're studying this morning. It's the God we're talking to in prayer. It's the same exact God. He hasn't gone anywhere. He hasn't changed in any way. He hasn't lost any of his talents or abilities. That God is our God. Now, why is this important? Well, when it comes to spiritual gifts, some will pass off the miracles and the healings as being something that is done in days of old. They will pass off the miracles and healings as things that cannot happen today. They're no longer part of the equation. But I have to stop and say, well, why not? Nothing has changed. God hasn't changed. His power hasn't changed. His heart hasn't changed. His hope for the world hasn't changed. His desire to see heaven on the earth hasn't changed. So if that hasn't changed, then neither has his ability to do miraculous, wonderful things. Amen? He can still heal today, and he does. He can still move mountains today, and he does. Why? Because it's the same exact God. And it's in our best interest when it comes to this list to not pass off or pawn off a couple of the gifts that we're uncomfortable with, a couple of the gifts that we can't explain or make sense of. Guess what? That's what God does best. God is not illogical. God is beyond your logic. And so he can do the things that you can't make sense of, and that means miracles and healings. And I want you to believe that with all of your heart, and here's why. The day that you think God is somewhat powerless is the day you stop, or start, I should say, experiencing his power less. The day you think that God is powerless is the day you start experiencing his power less. This happened in Jesus' day, Matthew 13, 58. He goes home, and it says this. He could not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Because they thought that well, that was just Old Testament stuff. Oh, that, that's just God doing crazy things back in the day. That's not possible today. That couldn't happen here right now. That's what they were believing, I'm sure of it. And Jesus said, you're right because you believe that, because you have stopped me, because you have snuffed it out, because you have literally put up a barrier for me doing these things. And the same is true for many of us today. So healings and miracles, you better believe I, I believe they're part of the equation. That's why I still pray for people. That's why I still have anointing oil in my car. You want to be prayed over for healing? Sure. I've never seen someone healed in my sight because of my touch, but I'm never going to stop asking for it. 
Because maybe, maybe the prayer was answered just in a way I never saw, right? Or maybe, maybe, just maybe, the next time, the very next time I pray for healing, it will happen. So that's why I keep doing it. The miracle stuff, same thing. I pray for miracles. I pray for big things to happen. I pray for $6 million debt to be canceled in one check. I pray for big things. I pray for miracles because God is capable, is he not? And the next time you pray for it might just be the one you get. Might just be the miracle that you experience firsthand. If God is the same God that Abraham, Jacob, Jesus, that all of them prayed to, then miracles and healings will always be possible. Now, will they become normative for many of us? Probably not. Will they be what most of us experience on this side of heaven? Probably not. Will there be seasons where we don't see a lot of that happening? Yes. But is it still possible? You better believe it. And do we not see evidence of it happening all the time? You better believe that too. If we had more time today, I'd tell you about crazy stories of people being healed and and miracles happening and checks showing up for people in the mail and never even knew the person that sent the check for the exact amount they needed to cover the rent. I mean, all these different crazy things. God is still on the move, and he's, he's the great I am. And I want you to believe that. And here's what's crazy about this, church. Let, let's just say that based on the numbers, okay, that there's 20 gifts, let's say 750 people in our church. I'm not very good at math. Nathan, you could help me. I probably should have asked you this on Friday. Um, 35, 50 people have each gift, something like that, right? Just, just sheer numbers. If we divided them up perfectly, That means that there are 35 people possibly in this church that have the gift of healing. There are 35 people possibly in this church that have the gift of being a miracle worker. Do you know that? It could be you, but you never thought about that. You never stopped to really contemplate that. And and you're robbing the rest of us of, of something amazing because you haven't come to terms with your gift yet. There are people in this room, in this church, that have the gift of healing and miracles. I believe it. I believe with all my heart. And, and you could be one of them. And that's pretty exciting. Kind of changes the way standing greet goes, doesn't it? Kind of like, hello. Ooh, something different. All right, so doers. Doers, what I want, what I want to have happen this morning, I just want you to be encouraged. Typically those doing gifts kind of get you know, kind of put off to the side and people excuse those. Like, oh, I have the gift of administration, but nobody really cares. Oh, I have the gift of helping, but, I mean, don't we all? Oh, I have the gift of serving, but it's just something that we're called to do. No, doers, I want you to see that the way that you serve, the way that you help, the way that you administer, the way that you organize, the way that you teach, the way you do all those different things, that is a gift from God. And it's the way that you are experiencing God, and it's the way that you are making God known to this world. You see, doers, Jesus was a doer. In all the stories that we read about, what, what is he doing? Well, he's just doing. <laughs> he's just doing He's doing all the things on that list. He's taking care of business, but he's also taking care of people. He's just doing any little task that might be in front of him, but he's also thinking about huge tasks that would only happen with these incremental steps that take place first. So doers, I just want you to be encouraged. If you are a doer, you are a gift from God. You're not inferior. Your gifts are not second rate. It's not substandard. They are how God works and how God moves. And God himself is a doer. Let me close with this passage, Hebrews 2. Listen to these words from the author of Hebrews. Our salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by the disciples, right? By those who first heard him. God also testified to Jesus and to the cross and to the resurrection, to our salvation. He attested to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles. And 
by the gifts that the Holy Spirit has distributed according to his will. The salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and by the gifts the Holy Spirit has distributed according to his will. Do you see what he's saying here? That God is, God is teaching the world about the cross. God is opening up darkened hearts and, and, and closed eyes. He is showing people how much he loves them and this world. He is, he is pouring out his forgiveness into the world. How is he doing it? He does it through our salvation. He does it through the cross. He does it through Jesus. All that stuff God attests to and points to through signs and miracles and wonders. But you know how he also points back to all that stuff? Through you, through your spiritual gifts. Your spiritual gift is a way that God is bringing salvation to this world. Your spiritual gift is a way that he is trying to say and prove and preach and teach and reach the world. Every gift, each and every one of them, from the smallest to the largest, from the most visible to those that are invisible, all of them are being used by God, Hebrews says, to point back to Jesus and to reach people for Jesus. So you have knowledge, wonderful. It's being used to point people back to Jesus and teach people about Jesus. You have the ability to do things when other people don't want to do things, wonderful. Guess what that is doing? Every time you do it, it's teaching people about Jesus and reaching people for Jesus. Your gift is doing so much more than what you think it is. And so I start to pray now, even, even the last couple of weeks I've been praying for you guys, that you would start to find, use, and utilize your spiritual gift. It's a good gift given by a good God it's going to do a lot of good in your life. So, uh, bibli, build up, hymnastics, putrefy. Yeah, those are crazy, funny church words that don't really exist. But spiritual gifts, that's kind of another crazy church word, but it does exist. And it's a good word. It's a good phrase, and I hope that you're really starting to learn that. Uh, next week, we'll dive into tongues and interpretation of tongues, prophecy, the different speaking gifts. Hope that you'll be able to join us for that discussion. Let's pray about this now. God... We ask that you will open our eyes to the wonders, to the wonderful gifts that you have given to each one of us. But I, I just am, am so hopeful and praying earnestly that this information is starting to sink in to our minds and to our hearts. That when we receive the Holy Spirit in us, not only do we get the gift of your presence, Lord, but we also now receive the gift of your power. And when the Holy Spirit comes into us, God, from the youngest Christian to the oldest Christian in this room, when he is in us, we have now been gifted by him. We have now been empowered by him to do incredible things for you. And some of us, Lord, our faith has grown rather stale. It's grown rather stagnant. And that's because we have failed to ever use or utilize the great gift that we've been given. And so I pray that even over the course of the next few days, Lord, through assessment tools or online tests, God, maybe even through deep times of prayer or just somebody speaking a word over the people in this church, God, that we will come to learn and discover what our gifts are and that we will see them as far more than just kind of things that we do on occasion, that we will see them as, as manifestations of the Spirit, as the Spirit in us and working through us, God. Please help us each to discover how you have gifted us because, Lord, the world needs these gifts. This church needs these gifts. The church and the world hungers and desperately needs an encounter with you, God. The church and the world needs and hungers for an experience of you, God. And here we are holding these gifts to ourselves. Here we are not understanding how these gifts should be used. Here we are just kind of keeping these gifts 
um, hidden and secret, Lord, we pray against that. We pray that these gifts will now start to be uh, things that we use and utilize on a daily basis. And that these gifts will be ways that we experience more of you and that other people begin to experience more of you as well. Thank you for these gifts. Thank you that you've called us to partner with you. Thank you that we get to play a role in this great drama. Thank you that we don't just have to sit here and talk about this, Lord, or study it. We get to actually do it. Thank you for that, God. I pray that, again, in this, in this church throughout the next couple of days, people will start to learn how they've been gifted. And that will totally transform them, Lord, and how they see themselves and, and what they do in this world. Make it so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.